Hi everyone, and welcome to the ADSR Inspirations Podcast. My name is James Mallion. I'm your host as I introduce you to inspirational and artful souls from all over the world. I'm deeply interested in music, film, the arts, achieving goals, overcoming struggles, and big ideas. So join me as we uncover some life lessons and knowledge. We're based out of Tokyo, Japan, and we'll be speaking with people from all over the world, ranging from artists, musicians, creatives, leaders, big thinkers, and those who strive to do and be great. Thanks for listening along. Now let's get inspired. Hi, everyone. Welcome to ADSR Inspirations. And it's been a while since I've spoken to today's guest. Probably the last time was when we were both covering some of Japan's awesome outdoor music festivals, which was some years ago. So I'm excited to see what she's been up to since then. Lisa Wallen is a self described travel writer, novelist, bookworm, and research junkie. She grew up traversing the globe as she immersed herself in various cultures. Driven by a deep-seated need to understand the world around her, she's been writing professionally here in Japan for well over 10 years now, initially writing on Japan's varied and dynamic music scene, and then branching out into writing about culture, travel, cuisine, craftsmanship, and more. If that wasn't enough, she also writes fiction and partakes in other travel and culture writing outside of Japan. For about five years now, she's been the senior editor at Tokyo Weekender, Tokyo's longest running English language lifestyle magazine. She's worked as a reporter for NHK World TV programs. She's a strategic advisor for Sanin Tourism based out of Totori and Shimane. And she still works as a freelance writer when she can find the time. With that said, I want to please welcome to the show Lisa Wallen. Thank you. And what an introduction. <laughs> Even though I, I know I wrote a lot of that myself in, in my bio, it's, it's weird to kind of hear it out loud. <laughs> right. Yeah. It seems like、uh, you've got a lot going on. So thanks for coming on and making the time. Oh, no, thank you. And、uh, no wonder I feel so tired. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So there's,、um, there's a number of places we could start, but you know, as you make clear in some of your bios and you work, you love travel and you've lived in numerous countries. You write about travel, you recommend places and things for people to do. But You've seemed to have now found a permanent home here in Japan. So, how long have you been、uh, in Japan now? And why do, you, why do you think Japan has stuck with you when other places around the world haven't?、Um, is, this, is Japan now the longest you lived in one place? Actually, yes, yes.、Um, both、mm-hmm. overall and in a row.、Um, so, when I was growing、mm-hmm. up, we moved around like every three or four years. I've been in Japan about 12 now.、Mm-hmm. This time around,、uh, just over 10, 11 years in a row.、Uh, and Tokyo for about eight or nine of those or longer. I don't know. I don't keep track. <laughs> right. So, is there, do you have some like feeling or indication why, why Japan has stuck when some of the other countries was just like a couple years? 
Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I think part of it was just by chance. Um, around the four-year mark, uh, this last time around, so this is actually the second time I've uh, lived in Japan. The first time was one year in Osaka. Mm -hmm. And then I came back in 2010. Uh, and I was in Miyazaki for about half a year and then Tokyo since then. Um, but part of it was by chance because I met my husband around the four-year mark and he's Japanese. So that's one of the reasons mm -hmm. I've stayed for sure. Mm -hmm. But I think the main reason is there's just so much that I still don't know. And I'm really curious and um, really keen on finding out more. I think both Japan itself and, you know, other countries um, like to paint Japan as a very, um, um, as a very uniform kind of country in, in many different ways, um, whether it's, you know, um, in terms of society or, you know, even nature and stuff, they're like, oh, you know, four seasons are very clear in Japan, which they're not if you live, you know, in Okinawa or, you know, parts of Southern Japan, um, the seasons, mm -hmm. are, you know, they vary in length, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's probably the most interesting thing uh, to me is that Japan has such a variety, both, in terms of geography and culture as well. And I think you don't really know until you go to these smaller regions, you know, anywhere outside of the big cities um, and kind of, you know, see what the local specialties are, how people speak and how they live their lives and stuff like that. It, there's such a huge variety and I'm always learning something new. I can definitely relate to that. Um, having, you know, been here over 10 years myself, they're always despite you know what you think you know when you start traveling around and you really you know start exploring there's always more things to kind of uncover oh absolutely absolutely right so i also want to get into um your passion for the written word a little bit um i know i know you formally studied um you studied business and then you studied fashion design. Um, but when did, when did this love for writing kind of first enter your life? Is writing something you've always been doing and sort of refining? Um, so like, why, why did you choose to formally study business and fashion and maybe not something related to say writing or journalism then? I think the reason I didn't choose it for study is I didn't really think it was an option. Um, like, I don't know why, but I think even through business, like there's a lot of writing and reading and it's a little bit more, you know, formal and stiff. But um, I think the basis of both my business degree and fashion to some extent, extent um, is the same thing as writing and it's communication so i want to you know communicate with people whether it's one way or two way you know in business you're negotiating you're discussing um and in writing you know you're sharing ideas um so i think on the whole they're all tied together um same with fashion again you're communicating ideas and you know through these beautiful you know clothing uh, items and, and that kind of thing. 
So I think they're all connected in a way. It's just a different way of expressing it. Um, so yeah, mm. I think it just took me a while to figure out that I wanted to do more of the writing and more of the sharing because I'm not very good at talking as we'll probably already figured out here. Um, but I do find it a lot easier to kind of sit down and put my thoughts into words on, on paper or uh, mm -hmm. on the screen, so to speak. Right. So was writing something, I guess, growing up, you were always doing for yourself or doing in your spare time? Was it more of like a hobby and a passion? Yeah, like I've always been creative. So um, I remember probably in elementary school, um, a friend of mine and I, we would make these comics. So I would do the dialogue and she would do the drawing and, you know, we'd make plays and stuff like that. But um, I guess in terms of more seriously, I started blogging when I was at university. Um, and that was a long time ago. I'm trying to think like 2003. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think I just enjoyed having that way of expressing myself. It wasn't really formal until like at university um, through like, you know, university newsletters and stuff like that as well um or after but yeah like i think definitely reading and it has always been huge for me and then by extension writing and sharing ideas right so you mentioned reading as well um what kind of obviously some of the writing you're doing now may not have been things you grew up reading um but what was some of the initial books or what were you reading that kind of led you into, um, you know, this love of the written word? Uh, anything and everything. Um, my mm -hmm. parents both read a lot and have always read a lot. So we always had a lot of books and they were very open to buying my brother and I basically any books we wanted like it didn't necessarily even have to be you know age appropriate um yeah we were always encouraged to read and never discouraged to read uh anything so yeah I mean anything and everything I mean I loved mm -hmm. Terry Pratchett I still do um but need to to reread as magical and wonderful and humorous uh novels of Discworld and that kind of thing but anything honestly I will mm -hmm. happily read even now like I'll read a lot more Japan focused uh fiction and non-fiction mostly because of work but um yeah anything throw anything at me and I'll, I'll give it a go <laughs> I may not finish sure. it but <laughs> <laughs> right 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 so I'm kind of curious too um you know you mentioned the blogging was something that you started to take serious. What, what else is some of, I guess, how you sort of transitioned into um, becoming a full-time writer? Um, I guess initially um, you were doing music writing in Japan. What, what, what else is some of your earlier, I guess, freelance writing and how did, what was the transition like into becoming a writer full-time? 
it took a while, um, admittedly. Like I started writing freelance, but for free uh, for a website called Music Japan Plus, which was um, exclusively Japanese artists and bands, uh, mostly Visual K, which is what I knew then. Um, and I got in touch with them and I volunteered to write um, live reports for some shows that I'd been to both when I was uh, back in Sweden and then later on when I was in Japan. And that kind of helped me get, you know, more and more experience. Um, and then I actually interned at Metropolis in Tokyo while working full time. Um, I was there like once a week. And that kind of got me into the actual publishing industry and, uh, you know, kind of figuring that out. And then it just gradually, as I worked, um, a position became open and I took it and it's kind of just rolled, rolled on since then. Right. Okay. So, um, while you were studying at university, um, that was, uh, Australia first and then Sweden, correct? Yes. Yeah. Did you, did you have any, um, did you have any ideas or did you have any, I guess, inclination that you would be able to do writing professionally, maybe either in Australia or Sweden, or that wasn't really something you thought about as a job at that time? No, I don't think so. Like then I was still writing a lot for fun and yeah, mainly just blogging and stuff like that. Definitely not it was nowhere near like on my mind that I could do it professionally. And even if I could do it professionally, certainly not full time. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really until you came to Japan when you started to think about how this could lead to a full time career. Yeah, I think so. Like I had always played with the idea um, like oh, wouldn't it be nice? But I didn't see it as realistic until I got a job at um, Metropolis Magazine and was like, oh, okay. So it's not just writing, obviously, because I was an editorial assistant at that time, mm -hmm. doing a lot of admin stuff and that kind of thing. But that was when it was kind of like, oh, this feels real. And then started doing things like Fuji Rock Festival and other things um, as well. But even during that time, um, I had a teeny tiny project with uh, like music magazine project with a friend of mine called trick rock. And we interviewed like very indie bands and uh, wrote about those as well. So I think even if it hadn't panned out and I couldn't work full time, you know, with it as I do now, having something like that on the side would have been I mean, I would have been happy with that, I think, in the sense that I enjoyed it so much. And in terms of the music magazine, obviously, I was in complete control, um, or we were together, and we could make all editorial decisions. And that was actually a lot of fun. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> right, right. I guess part of, part of the key is being able to do it or having that outlet just for your own sake, I suppose, right? Um, yeah. Regardless of whether you're doing it as a full-time job, it was just something that 
you love to do. And so it came kind of organically, I suppose, right? Yeah. And I think it's important to keep something like that, even when you're doing it professionally, um, doing something just for fun or just for yourself or something that you have complete creative control over. Um, Because I can feel like if I'm not doing something like that, even if it's just, you know, journaling or doing some little fun project on my own, not giving myself the time for uh, my own creative outlets, I do feel like I get burned out kind of quickly or like kind of, you know, as you do with with any job, if you like lose that spark or inspiration. Um, Yeah, it's, it's good to keep something for yourself as well. Right. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I think regardless of what kind of art form you're creating or you're partaking in, you know, whether it be, you know, let's say music or visual art or something like that, like you like you said, you kind of need full control a little bit sometimes so you can kind of keep that keep that passion going. Um, yeah. How how difficult would you say that it is for someone to become a professional writer um, here in Japan? I, I know people do it freelance and um, part-time and also, you know, you mentioned you do other kinds of work. Um, editorial work and other kinds of work. How, how difficult do you think it is for, you know, say, you know, you, you also mentioned when you started out, you know, you were just doing a lot of volunteer stuff and you think it's pretty hard if someone just came over to start working as a writer full time? Um, I think a lot of it would depend on what they've done before. Um, so if they have experience from and, you know, uh, you know, portfolio from before they come here, obviously that would help a lot, especially if they were writing wherever they were living before. Um, And like, for me, I was lucky because I had done these, you know, free articles before I had some kind of portfolio. It wasn't amazing, but it was something to show. Um, But it's hard to say, like, I think... Obviously, it's harder for a non-Japanese national because, you know, we have visa issues to to consider. Um, But it's definitely possible. And I think especially now with the Internet, um, it's a bit redundant now with the Internet. We've had it for so long. But there's so there are more and more opportunities to write about Japan from Japan. But for non-Japanese you know, magazines or websites and stuff. And I think there's a lot of opportunities that didn't exist, you know, even five or 10 years ago. So I think in some ways it's, I don't know if I want to say it's easier, but there are definitely more possibilities. Um, but I think you do have to kind of grind to, to get at them um, and mm-hmm. uh, pitch a lot for sure. Right. I think, Probably especially if you're freelance as opposed to working for a company or something. Um, I guess most of your career was working at a company versus freelance, correct? 
Yeah. Um, I'd say like even now it's about 50-50 um, since I don't work full time uh, at Tokyo Weekender. But yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, I have always had that to kind of fall back on. I never had to feel the full freelance worry of, oh, I've got to pitch, you know, a lot to, to make sure that I can make rent, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I have been very fortunate in that respect. Right. I, I guess on, uh, you know, on those lines throughout, you know, your 10 years or so, have there been some moments when you kind of second guessed yourself or you kind of thought, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be a rough patch or I'm, I might not be able to do this. Have there been a few kind of, uh, moments or thoughts like that, or it's been, it's been all right. Um, no, definitely. Absolutely. Especially when I first came here, like I was broke. <laughs> I was so broke. I, there were a few times I, I haven't told anyone this, but <laughs> I guess I'm telling it now. There were a few times that when I went to the metropolis office, um, and I was working as an English teacher, um, full-time, but I, I went to metropolis on my days off. And I walked there because I didn't want to pay for, you know, the train fare, which isn't a lot, but it was enough for me to think, uh, well, if I can walk it, which took an hour, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, then I did. And I did that a lot. Like I walked a lot of Tokyo during those first two years, I think. Mm -hmm. um, definitely then. And then even when I finished at Metropolis, I ended up doing translation work. Uh, for a while so that was a com not completely different um seg but uh i did take uh, a break from writing and and editorial work mm -hmm, and translated right. games for a bit right do you think do you think those experiences have helped you along the way um i think so like i think it definitely helped at first, because I did have to kind of assess, you know, is this what I want? How much do I want this? You know, wouldn't it be better to move on, do something else, et cetera, et cetera. And I really had to evaluate, you know, what I really wanted and why. What was my motivation? Um, and I think I've probably come, become a bit complacent now. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's definitely, I think... A little bit of struggle, as much as it's hard in the moment, does help overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've I've heard things like that before, and you know, it's like, what are you willing to sacrifice, or how much? Yeah, do you want this versus right. you know potential stability or something like that? Um, so, yeah, you've done you've done all kinds of different writing and reporting and you also dabble in a little bit of fiction would you would you now say that your specialty is in travel writing or how like would you say that you have a niche or do you still like to write about a whole bunch of different things I mean, personally, I like to write about anything I'm curious about, and I'm curious about a lot of things. Um, that's my main drive is curiosity. I find out something I want to know more, um, and then I want to share it with other people. That's th the most basic drive, I think. Um, but I think also it's important 
just in terms of marketing that I do have that niche. Um, and I do do a lot of travel writing. A lot of it is client work. Um, but because I have traveled a lot in uh, Japan throughout these, you know, 10 plus years, I do know, I don't know close to everything. Like I know, I feel like I know nothing, but I do know more than the average person who, you know, may just live in Tokyo, for example, just because I've gone to all these different places and I can compare them to each other. Um, and I have, you know, some kind of weird bunch of fun facts in the back of my mind all the time. But um, I mean, I would probably say that's my niche overall. Certainly if I'm pitching um, to international, you know, uh, publications, that kind of thing. Um, but personally, I'm happy to write anything especially Japan related, because I mean, obviously, I think my overall niche is probably just Japan as a whole, because um, obviously, I live here. And I've written a lot of different, you know, cultural angles. Um, but yeah, it's become travel. I mean, it was kind of by accident, but because um, we had the tourism boom, um, that at least pre COVID <laughs> um, was, you know, right. a huge market. Um, and it will likely be again. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, how important would you think it would be or how important do you think it is for writers, especially finding work to kind of have a niche and maybe say, you know, my specialty is music writing or sports or film or something like that, um, or like you said, you're interested in a broad range of things is a writer who can kind of do something like that also useful. Um, I think definitely be able, being able to do a lot of different things is ideal, but obviously having a niche makes it a lot easier for potential editors and, you know, people hiring you to know, oh, this person is an expert in this and therefore, you know, oh, you know, a shoe in. Okay, well, we'll get this person to do that, etc. And there is a lot of, you know, very specific jargon um, for food writing, especially, for example. I'm not good at it. I enjoy eating, <laughs> but I'm not very good at writing about it. Um, and then you have, you know, people like Robbie Swin Swinerton, is that right? Um, who has been doing it for, you know, years and years and years and just writes these amazing pieces. And even... Um, Phoebe Amoroso, um, British uh, journalist and uh, reporter now, she's amazing as well in terms of just creating these very visual experiences when she writes about food. And you can tell she just loves, you know, trying new things um, and it's it comes across. I think passion is obviously very important as is, you know, technical skill. But having knowledge of a certain area um, always helps as well, even if it's not the only thing you do. Having right. that expertise in one corner definitely um, it helps boost um, your rep a bit. So I'm also curious about some of your work as an editor as opposed to just a writer. Do you feel like, um, do you feel like it's a natural transition for many writers um, to transition into an editor role. Um, and 
you know, what kind of, what kind of work would you say you prefer? Um, I know you've, you've also done some work with uh, some of these NHK TV programs. Do you enjoy like this variety of all different kinds of work and jobs, or would you prefer just to kind of focus on one thing? Um, I wish I could say that, like, I could focus on one thing, but um, I, I need it. I need the variety. I need, you know, the completely different challenges personally. Um, I love writing, but if I was only sitting at home all day doing it, I think I might drive myself insane um, or distract myself too much. But, you know, being able to go on, you know, reports for TV with uh, NHK World has been really good. And it's really nice because I don't have to research, you know, everything beforehand. I do do some research, you know, after I get, you know, the script and everything, but I don't do the bulk of it, which is really nice. <laughs> it feels very luxurious. Um, right. But yeah, like I love the variety. Like I love being able to do different things. So I think for me, it's a must. I don't think becoming an editor is a natural transition for everyone. Um, mm -hmm. it's, I would argue it's a different skill set. Like you still have to have, you know, the technical skills of being, you know, a good writer, ideally. Um, not that I can say that I am particularly, I'd say moderately confident, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, it, I'd say it's a different skill set, um, for editing. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think it's a completely natural transition. I think if you love words and you love writing, it could be, but not necessarily. Mm -hmm. So, what what kind of what kind of skills would you say make a good editor? Then, oh no, um, obviously, you know, attention to detail is is the biggest one, but also uh, balance, knowing what's important for the reader but not sacrificing uh, the writer's perhaps intention or um, style completely, um, not changing their voice too much. Um, I think it's very easy to edit something in the way that you would like it to be written or that you would write it, um, but that's not necessarily being a good editor. Being a good editor would be that balance of making uh, a text um, enjoyable for the reader, but still true to the writer's uh, intention and thoughts. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I know in your writing career and, um, you know, you mentioned also some of these NHK TV programs and your editing work, you've, you've interviewed loads of people and, you know, from, let's say from celebrities just to locals and small towns and whatnot throughout, throughout all those interviews. Can you, can you recall some of the more interesting ones that stand out in your memory? Are there a few, maybe some of your early ones or some moments with uh, like a, somebody famous that, um, are there a few interviews that? Um, 
there's a few. Um, one, like thinking up off the top of my head, is um, the artist Sugizo from Lunacy um, and many other projects. Um, but we interviewed him for Tokyo Weekender. I think at the end of 2020. Um, and he did like 90% of the interview in English, which amazed me. Mm -hmm. um, I hadn't expected that. Like I knew he was proficient in English, but I didn't expect him to actually do the interview in English, which was amazing. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was really interesting. Um, and he told us, one of his favorite hot spring spots, which is uh, on Yakushima uh, in Kagoshima Prefecture, Yakushima Island, um, mm -hmm. which is really interesting too. Um, but I think in terms of maybe most interesting, well, they're all interesting to me. <laughs> um, right, of course. But my favorite, I guess, genre if we're gonna you know label it in any way is um interviewing crafts people um mm -hmm. because they're so different like i mean obviously they're individuals you know as you would expect but there's a very strong image of the silent very stern craftsman who you know um is focused on his work but anything outside of that doesn't interest him or, you know, won't talk about. And that's not the experience I've had when I've talked to a lot of these people. Um, just absolutely fascinating stories that unfortunately we can't include because of space or, or that kind of thing. But um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of a good one. Um, one of my most interesting personalities would be um, a Fukuoka prefecture-based uh, costume designer called uh, Shiro Araki. I just interviewed him for the second time recently, um, and it'll be in the Tokyo Week in March ish April issue. But he, mm -hmm. his designs, but also his way of thinking, I find absolutely fascinating. Like I could talk to him for hours, just asking random questions. He makes these amazing. Um, like face masks and dresses, but he'll use um, oh, what is it? Uh, is it a cocoon from silkworms? Um, but he'll just stick those onto like you know a, a piece of cardboard and it becomes this beautiful face mask, or um, mm -hmm. he'll use wire and you know, uh, connect it with like pig skin or something, just very seemingly mm. random items and putting them together and making them something that's not necessarily perfect or beautiful at first glance for, you know, in terms of traditional beauty, but just, yeah, absolutely fascinating items. Right. So what, sorry, what was his name again? Uh, Shiro Araki, or Araki Shiro is um, the Japanese order and what he usually uh, advertises himself as. Yeah, yeah. cool. I'll have, to, I'll have to check him out after this interview for sure. Um, so, yeah, those that sounds 
That sounds pretty interesting. Um, you, you have it written in your bio that, uh, that you like to ask the weird sort of in-depth unasked questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so for myself now is, an interviewer and interviewing people, could you give me some tips and some examples of some of these weird, uh, weird unasked questions? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're, you know, you come up with them yourself. Like I usually it's not so much something that I've thought out in advance, but it'll be something that comes up when someone says something, you know, spark an idea or a question. Mm-hmm. during the interview and i think if i were using japanese common sense i would not ask that follow-up question but i'm just like right eh, i'll ask it anyway and see how it goes um right and often get a lot of interesting you know answers um sometimes the questions are the opposite they're obvious and stupid questions at a glance like uh, i was talking about craftsmen and most craftsmen you know they inherit the business from their father um uh, a lot of it is very um you know father to son based so if you ask mm-hmm. you know why did you choose this career it's kind of a stupid question because well a lot of them don't technically have a choice but then they'll answer yeah. it and they'll they'll say that and then you might follow up oh so you know you joined straight away after you know school but then they'll be like oh actually no i went traveling for 5 years around the world or i started my own business in a different city and then came back and so it's not like even though um on the surface it's a very obvious question that you should know the answer to when you dig a little bit deeper, uh, it wasn't, you know, 100% sure that they were going to join the business or that kind of thing. And um, Uh, maybe they weren't even pressured. Maybe their family or their father especially would be like, you know, there's not much money in this. You don't have to join. Don't bother. Um, So, yeah, everyone has a very different situation. Um, So kind of the the opposite thing where the obvious question... (laughs) Um, right. instead of giving uh, the unexpected answer. But yeah, that happens too, absolutely. Um, right, yeah, that that's kind of cool too because it gives you a little more insight or backstory that, you know, you may just think you know the answer already. But yeah, when you... doesn't Yeah, like you say, it doesn't necessarily have to be the weird or um, unasked question. But um, when you... When you do mix the obvious ones in with the weird and unasked ones, it can create for something cool. Um, I guess then for yourself as an interviewee, what's a, what's a weird or unasked question that you'd like to be asked? Ah, that's a very good question. Um, I don't know. Um, I'd argue I'm a terrible interviewee (laughs) my mind wanders to all these different places Um, what weird question would I like to be asked I don't know that's too good a question (laughs) 
the obvious question then. Hmm. The obvious question. Um, probably something uh, like, what are you reading or mm-hmm. what are you watching now? Um, right, right. I don't know. It's, right, it's so. <laughs> probably the easiest for me to answer. <laughs> right, right. So then uh, to follow up, then wh- what are you reading and what are you watching these days? Um, I'm reading... A bunch of different things. I'm reading um, A Swim in a Pond in the Rain by George Saunders, um, which is an absolute amazing book that I'm taking my time going through. I mean, it, it call it, it's, you know, the subtitle is uh, In Which Four Russians Give a Masterclass on Writing, Reading, and Life. And it's brilliant. And the way he explains things is amazing. I love it. Um, I'm taking far too long reading it because I'm enjoying it too much. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm also reading about three different novels. Uh, one is Moshi Moshi by Banana Yoshimoto. Um, another is The Great Passage by Shion Miura. Um, what else am I reading? I have books all over the place. <laughs> um, but watching, see, this is where I might give a not so obvious answer. Uh, I love trash TV. Like, mm-hmm. love trash TV. Um, so before um, Terrace House, I watched that a lot. Uh, obviously now, uh, for a number of different reasons, that's been cancelled. Um, but Love is Blind, Japan, watching that right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, all these terrible, you know, dating uh, and uh, you know, just anything trash, I will probably watch it. <laughs> Right. Okay. Um, I don't usually partake in the trash TV myself, but um, I'll take that into consideration. Yeah, as no, don't rec- worry about it. If you don't already right. watch it, don't, you, you will probably be losing brain cells just by watching it. Um, um, well, in terms of, in terms of maybe for myself and listeners, like, do you have like, let's say two or three books that if someone has never read before you, it would be like your go-to maybe a couple of them would be fiction and maybe one or two would be nonfiction. Do you have something that you'd say, okay, if you've never come across this or you've never read this, this is something that you need to read. No. Um, for nonfiction, I think the one that I mentioned, the the George Saunders, um, a swim in the pond, a swim in a pond mm-hmm. in the rain, um, is absolutely fascinating. Like even if you're not a writer or even much of a reader, just his explanations and oh, just absolutely fascinating. Um, you learn so much. Uh, it's a huge tome, but it's quite easy to get through um, bit by bit in the way it's separated. Um, in terms of nonfiction, I am looking around my room, hoping for inspiration. <laughs> Anything you can get your hands on is my usually usual answer. Um, what is something I particularly loved? Like, do you recall something maybe growing up or in your writing career that kind of has stuck with you or you're always kind of going through new things that give you little flashes of inspiration? Uh, 
I mean, for me, the books that I remember are quite often the books that traumatized me, (laughs) Um, which, you know, it's not for everyone in terms of a lot of the content. Um, But like, for example, uh, Sayaka Murata's Earthlings, um, it needs all the content warnings, anything you could ever imagine, you know, needing a trigger warning or content warning for, like it probably has it. I don't want to mention what they are because um, very spoilery, uh, but absolute madness. um, Oh, actually, like I just, I apparently not trash books, but I love chaotic books. Um, I think one of my favorite books of all time that I would recommend, but again, you kind of have to have a stomach for it is um, Coin Locker Babies by... Um, Ju Murakami. Um, mm-hmm. And I might be quite controversial here, but in my opinion, the only good Murakami. Uh, <laughs> I've read a lot of Haruki Murakami's works and I used to love them, but um, mm-hmm. I've gone off them in later years. But yes, Ju Murakami's um, Coin Locker Babies, it. The content is a lot, I think, in terms of there's quite a lot of violence um but the language is absolutely beautiful it's fascinating i i love it a lot uh Mm -hmm. but yeah it will get you from like the first lines and you'll either hate it or you'll love it i think okay that's a good one then it'll yeah i had always known about that one but um never i i think like you say it'll either Things like that get you sucked in right away or you'll put it down. Oh, I, so. I put it down for like three months. I read the first lines and I was like, um, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> but then I went back to it because a friend of mine, she she recommended it and she was like, no, 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 this is really good. You've got, you've got to give it another chance. Um, and mm-hmm. I did. And I'm, I'm glad I did. Um, absolutely fascinating writer and, and right. book. Right. So... In terms of uh, in terms of your own writing and potentially some fiction writing, has that always been something that you've done as a hobby or a passion? Um, have you ever looked into um, publishing anything? Have you w- what kind of writing have you done on that side of it? Um, short stories or more long form or? Yeah, um, I didn't start taking my own writing like outside of you know work writing um so seriously until like the last two years I started you know thinking oh it's about time I need to give more time to that or like put more focus um on that so fiction is something that I've always found fascinating and loved to read but didn't think I could do I'm still not 100% sure that I can do it, Uh, but I'm studying and and doing it a lot more. Like I took a short story course with uh, Naomi Ishiguro um, with Jericho Writers um, and learned a lot through her critiques and stuff like that. Um, So yeah, mainly short story form because it's easier. You like, you can have the satisfaction of something finished um, which is quite nice. And I think especially my attention span, especially with, um, you know, the, the pandemic, 
my my attention span and everyone else's attention span is getting shorter so short stories feel is mm-hmm. quite natural but yeah like eventually i'd like to you know um spend on and write longer things and finish longer things uh is my main issue (laughs) finishing is a a huge issue (laughs) so you've started a bunch or do you have some that are finished or what's what's your progress been like um for short stories i've i've finished a few um and i've published some i guess you call it microfiction like 50 mm-hmm. word stories, that kind of thing, um, online and, and zines and stuff. Um, I was mm-hmm. pretty proactive for a while, um, sending them out to publications and stuff. I haven't been for a while now cause I got busy with work, but, um, I'd like to, mm-hmm. to do that more. Absolutely. Um, right. It's, it's you mentioned, right. Yeah. I guess that's, you know, the main, one of the main things, right. Having fun with it. You mentioned as well, taking the workshop and taking the course, how, how important do you think it is for writers or I guess any kind of artist to continue working on their craft and continue studying and getting better? And I, I guess not just being complacent or happy with where they are. Um, I think it's everything, really. Um, I mean, you don't have to necessarily do courses or, you know, that kind of thing. But reading other people's writing is always an education um, in itself, especially for other writers. Um, you know, you, I'd say maybe active reading um, in terms of considering why someone used a certain word or why they, you know, wrote something in a certain way. And I think that's where the George Saunders book is uh, especially illuminating Um, because he kind of spells it out very, very clearly, uh, which I appreciate. Um, But I think we're always learning. Like even if someone were to say that they're not doing anything specific, if they're reading, you know, articles or other books or something, I think, you know, there's still actively learning and uh, that's that's absolutely important we always need new information um you know new things so yeah it's everything Mm -hmm. right yeah so not necessarily formal training but at least maybe paying attention a little more at times to Absolutely. And staying, yeah. staying curious. I think that's the most important thing for a lot of creatives. Just, you know, stay curious about the world, your surroundings, other people's work and your own work. Like, you know, test the mm. boundaries, that kind of thing. Because that's also, you know, education about, you know, yourself and um, how you might, you know, develop in different ways by just asking yourself these questions. Sure. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, So I guess for yourself, um, looking ahead, you know, you mentioned potentially working on a little more fiction, um, you know, hopefully getting to do some more travel and some more travel writing. Have you kind of thought um, where you want to be with your writing and your work? 
in you know a few years down the line maybe two years or five years do you kind of have some goals or some things you'd like to accomplish on that front I feel like I wrote something out at one point at the beginning of the year (laughs) um yeah absolutely like I mean my main goal is just to keep writing and keep learning about new things um like as long as I'm doing that, I think I'll be pretty happy. But obviously, I mean, one of my dreams when I was young and I, you know, still didn't believe that I could, you know, do this work full time was absolutely to write a book. I think a lot of people have that dream. So eventually mm-hmm. write a book and have it published. I have like some drafts, but, you know, they're not finished and they're not, <laughs> Uh, they're not there. The novelist part in my bio is very um, aspirational rather than realistic at this point. But um, I'm hoping if I have that, I'll have to shame myself into finishing something. So, <laughs> Well, I, th- I think part of it is putting it out into the world, right? Yeah. And That's a scary thing. It's, it's not always easy to create, but it always feels a lot easier than sharing it with, with the world. Labeling yourself a novelist is also putting out that idea as well, right? Where you kind of have to live up to something that, um, that you have in your mind and writing it down and putting it out for people to see, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, every time I hand someone my business card, they'll bring it up and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I haven't done this yet. <laughs> Better get on it. <laughs> so it is like kind right. of a little booster. Um, I'll get there eventually. Um, I'm hoping I have, you know, a lot of ideas and I have some drafts, but, um, you know, it's mm-hmm. always about finishing, finishing the work completion. So if, if you were to do, um, if you were to get a book published, would it be something nonfiction at first, or would you go for the fiction at first? Have you, you said you mentioned you had a few drafts? What what kind of um, what kind of ideas did you have on that front? Um, I think fiction first. Um, mm-hmm. I know it's very hard to publish short story collections unless there are already an established author. Um, or, you know, someone who's already quite um, famous for, for their short stories. Um, I think my favorite, my personal favorite draft is a fantasy fiction touching on young adult, I guess. Uh, but um, with Nordic fae and fairies and trolls and that kind of thing. But in a modern, with a modern twist, would be my. Mm-hmm. I need to come up with a better elevator pitch for that, obviously. <laughs> but, but along right, those lines, right. okay, um, that's that's cool. Okay, so you've got you got things somewhat figured out, and I'm sure you've written quite a few things down. So that's that's exciting to kind of look forward to. Um, I gotta I gotta thank you for for coming on and doing the interview and talking with me today. I just have uh, a couple final questions that I ask every guest, if that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. So as this is called the 
inspirations podcast. They're related to uh, this idea. So the first one is, what are three things or three people that have really inspired you in your work or your life or continue to inspire you? Three things or three people who have given or give you inspiration. Ah, three things or three people. Um, I think if I choose three people, um, it's going to mainly be music artists or bands. Like as much as I, my thing is writing that started from music um, or my love for music rather. So I would say uh, Miavi for one. Um, he's an artist who he's always switching up his musical style and challenging himself with every new album. Um, and not just music, but um, acting as well now. So I feel like that's kind of very inspirational. Like he's never fit himself into one particular box. Um, and I really admire that. Uh, I think it's easy, easy to get stuck. Um, who else? I mean, Terry Pratchett, who uh, passed away a few years ago. But his writing, I think his writing was definitely key in to me reading more. Um, and becoming more curious, like his um, stories, just so clever, funny, but also very politically aware um, and socially aware. And um, just that, that combination, like I didn't know that that was a possibility to kind of write in that way. Um, so absolutely mm -hmm. uh, inspiration. Um, one more. Or the third one could be a thing. If you can't think of it. Okay, thing, thing, thing. Mm, oh, no. Well, can I just say books in general? <laughs> yeah, any, any and all books, even the bad ones, uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> inspire me to not be like those, for example. Um, yeah, I think just mm -hmm. books. I mean, I moved around a lot when I was young, and even though I always made friends, um, I'd say my most constant friend and presence was always some some form of a book. So it was a good mm -hmm. way to escape or, you know, find something new. Right, yeah. Well, like you mentioned, you know, the one constant in your studies and your work is the, the communication aspect right and um whether it's been in writing or in you know doing a tv show or something interviews this whole thing about communication and sharing mm, seems to be a theme as well yeah absolutely cool cool yeah those are great and um last one for you then so what does it mean for you then um somebody has, you know, read one of your articles or something that you've written or, you know, watched you on TV, what, what does it mean for you to be inspirational to other people? Oh, wow. Um, I don't, 
it's such a weird question because like I don't feel like I'm being inspirational per se um but you know any any time I can help someone discover something that they didn't know before uh, whether it's a place or you know a thing or you know some kind of cultural quirk it makes me so happy because I'm presumably assuming too much but I'm assuming that they're as excited as I was when I found out about it. And then it's it's a connection there. And um, I'm really happy. Like, I do know that for a couple of my friends who have read my articles, um, they, I, they've been to the places that I've written about and were really happy to, to find out about them. And, you know, it makes me warm, in, warm inside. Like, I helped someone <laughs> or, like, I, you know, found something that they liked. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And it's something that we can, you know, talk about now because it's a place that we've both, both been to that kind of thing. So, again, it comes back to connecting. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm super happy. And, um, anytime anything I've shared has been helpful. Right. Yeah. I think, like you said, comes back to the human connection and able to share some of your passions and happiness and things that you know, you being able to discover absolutely um, to yeah. connect with yeah, other people. Cool. Cool. So yeah, I got to thank you once again for coming on and speaking with me for your insights and, you know, all your articles throughout the years, um, your sincerity, um, and for continuing, you know, to work on your craft and keep that passion, um, you know, whether it's travel or, working on fiction and short stories, like you say, um, you know, opening, opening, uh, yourself and other people up to Japan and the world. So, um, and I think like you said in your bio, continuing to scratch beneath the surface of the mundane to expose this world of curiosity peeking through. I really like that one. So yeah, (laughs) thanks for, thanks for taking uh, myself and many people on these journeys with you. Thank you for joining me. (laughs) If people want to continue the journeys and follow and keep up with your work, uh, where can, where can people do that? Um, I technically have a blog at ichigoichilove.com. And I do. Okay post some portfolio articles on lisa-wallen.com but i mean probably Mm. the easiest is instagram um ichigo ichie love Mm. and i'm not active on twitter right now but lisa writes jp Um, i'll share articles and stuff like that um i'm not super active on social media right now but i will be later this spring again just kind of okay that's a little break (laughs) right yeah it happens to happens to all of us so the instagram one is at let me get the spelling i c h i g o i c h i e l o v yes ichigo yeah 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 it's really ichigo ichie love <laughs> it's really yeah, garbage I'll, to try well, to explain to people in words um but i mean it it has it's from you know ichigo ichie uh which is um one time, one meeting, which is used in tea ceremony a lot. Um, but, you know, um, 
kind of like carpe diem, you know, seize the day. Just you only have this one chance. And while I, I, I wish I could say I lived that, you know, motto every day of my life, I do not. <laughs> Obviously, I, I watch trash TV, so I'm wasting a lot of my time. But um, I think as long as you treasure the moments with other people, especially, um, and try to stay mm. present with them, um, that's that's where the name comes from anyway, um, despite its Perfect. weirdness and very difficult to <laughs> to explain without writing it down. So, yeah, that was Lisa Wallen, and this is James Mallion with ADSR Inspirations. Until next time, thanks for listening. If you want to hear more insightful and inspirational chats from people based in Japan and all over the world, make sure to follow us at adsrcollective.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at adsrcollective. Then listen to the pod on Spotify, Apple, Google, and more. Thanks again for taking the time to listen. Until next time, stay inspired.